What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the rest of season rankings fantasy baseball podcast. This is a special Friday night edition of the pod. I'm here, as always, with my co-host, Bart Wheeler. Bart, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Andrew. Um, How about yourself? Well, I'm a little bitter about that Michigan loss last night. That's why we're recording here on Friday, because I needed to watch the game last night. Uh, So Bart accommodated my my fandom and my schedule. And uh, unfortunately, my Wolverines just, uh, it's been the story of the season. Very inconsistent team. Sometimes they look great. Other times they look like they did last night. So if that was the first Michigan game you watched all year, just realize that they don't always play that badly. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, uh, I didn't catch a whole lot of it. I've just been kind of getting bits and pieces. And I was actually watching a little bit of that St. Peter's Purdue game before we got started here. So I'm sure while we're recording, we'll, uh, I might find out if there's another big upset or, <laughs> or not. It's been, it's, been a, it's been a wild tournament. It has. My brackets are so destroyed and now Michigan's <laughs> out. So I've lost all of my interest. I just, I would love to just see complete and utter chaos at this point. <laughs> yeah, I know. Why not? St. Peter's all the way. <laughs> yep. There we go. <laughs> and I heard, I heard, I heard on a couple other podcasts today I was listening to it's national peacock day. So what better day for the peacocks of St. Peter's to, uh, to get it done. That's a real thing. National peacock day. It seems like they might've just made it up themselves for today, you know, or it's sponsored by NBC. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so, so uh, those of you uh, who've been listening to our pods recently, you know, we've been going through these position previews and today we are going to be hitting up starting pitcher previews part two, uh, looking at pitchers ADP 31 to 60 and beyond time permitting. We'll be bringing up some other guys uh, that we like uh, that you can get in the late rounds. But before that, as always, we're going to check in on some little news and notes. Bart, uh, what do we got for news and notes in the last few days here? Yeah, there's a couple. Um, Randall Gritchick, uh, now a Colorado Rocky, so he got sent off from Toronto in a deal that sent uh, Raimel Tapia and an infield prospect, Adrian Pinto, over to um, the Blue Jays. So, um, you know, I had Tapia and Gritchick both pretty far down in my outfield rankings, um, but now I think you have to bump Gritchick up a little bit with the move to Coors Field. And then Tapia, I mean, I was looking at him as a guy who was going to bat leadoff, you know, for Colorado. And um, I don't I don't have roster resource pulled up in front of me, but I just think that Toronto lineup is so stacked. I don't know if he's going to bat leadoff or if he's going to, you know, be a part-time player or what. But I definitely will lower him in my rankings from the move to Colorado and moving to, like, a more stacked lineup. Unless he is just, you know, solidifies himself in that leadoff spot for, for a good a good lineup. Yeah, I don't see that happening. I, uh, to be <laughs> honest with you, I don't think he was going to start in Colorado either, and I definitely don't think he's going to start in Toronto. Uh, I was surprised how much I ended up moving Randall Gritchick up in my rankings, though. I really <laughs> – he gets that Colorado boost. I mean, I bumped him all the way up to my outfielder 43 in the sort of Robbie Grossman range, yeah. um, Michael Conforto range. Uh, because the thing about Gritchick is that he hit 273 in 2020, and that seemed like sort of an outlier for his career. Um, but we already know about the power that he has. And I think being in course could kind of inflate that batting average a bit again. So rather than the 240 you usually see from him, maybe you do see something closer to that 270, 275 uh, with the power. Uh, you know, tw- at least 25 homers, 80 plus RBIs, I'd say, is pretty safe bet. So 
and the playing time should be pretty safe in Colorado. So uh, I, I like the move a lot for him. As far as the Toronto side, I think the biggest beneficiary is actually Alejandro Kirk, uh, who we talked about in our first preview pod at Catcher. Uh, mm-hmm. He is a very intriguing catcher sleeper to me now um, because I do think this is going to open up some DH opportunities for Kirk. In fact, I would say he's a better bet to get those DH opportunities than Tapia is. So uh, I bumped Kirk up into uh, – he's still in a tier of his own for me because we need to kind of see how it plays out. But I've got him right after like Dalton Varsho, Kiebert Ruiz, Grandal, Mitch Garver, Wilson Contreras, right after that group ahead of um, – Guys like Christian Vasquez, Omar Narvaez, Tyler Stevenson, um, guys like that. So I am intrigued with Kirk because he's a pretty talented hitter. He just needs the opportunity, and it seems like he might get it now. Okay, and then the other the other big one was, uh, I mean, I don't know how big, but it's it's something. It's Tommy Pham going to the Reds, and you know Cincinnati's a great ballpark. Um, how he fits into that lineup, I know we talked about him on the outfielder episode as being you know like a potential twenty twenty guy. I think. Uh, you know, he was like a top 10 steals guy last year in outfield. Like, if you get double-digit steals, you, you know, you have some value as long as you're not, you know, destroying uh, <laughs> your team in other areas. And Tommy Pham has had some productive years. So if he's if he's in the lineup, you know, they sent Winker and Suarez off to Seattle. So, you know, Pham could be in that lineup. Um, I know we talked about Moustakis maybe getting the in the lineup more, and I think he's already dealing with an injury I saw. So, like, maybe Tommy Pham becomes an everyday player for the Reds, and that would be... That would be pretty decent value. I'd bump him up a little bit in my outfielder rankings. Yeah, I certainly did. Uh, I've always been a Tommy Pham guy. Uh, it's my Roto League category, League Bias, I guess. But uh, yeah. he's just always that got that 2020 potential. And like you said, even even in his even as he's aging, he's still stealing some bases. I mean, he went 15 homers, 14 steals last year uh, at age 33. So. I, I think he can still do, be a 15-15 guy and maybe even 20-20. Certainly, playing in Cincinnati is never a bad thing for your power numbers. So uh, that could help him get up to 20 home runs. I don't, I don't know if he'll get to the 20 steals at that age. But, uh, you know, guys age differently uh, in terms of uh, their how they uh, run. So uh, it's that's a little hard to predict. But I, I could definitely see him being a sneaky value. I've got him sort of in that outfielder 60 kind of range at this point. Okay. Yeah. Like, luckily for us, there wasn't a ton more uh, news. Um, some of the news that I saw, we'll get into today a little bit, maybe as we're starting to talk about all these pitchers. We've got a lot to get into. And, you know, I kept seeing this guy through, you know, some sh- scoreless innings and the Cactus League and this and that. So maybe <laughs> I might sprinkle in a few of those notes as we talk about some guys today. Sounds good. Um, but maybe, maybe we get right into the pitchers. Let's do it. So, at, at, as promised, we're going to start off uh, this episode uh, by talking about. Carlos Rodon and Justin Verlander because they're ADP as of uh, this is now a few you know almost a week uh, old ADP data but Mm -hmm. uh, we have Rodon at starting pitcher 31 and Verlander at 32 I'm guessing both of those guys are probably having their ADPs rising right now because they both seem to be healthy and uh, in good situations and playing well in spring training so uh, we know the upside with both of these guys, Rodon showed it just last year. Verlander showed it for more than a, a decade. So um, mm-hmm. we'll start with Rodon. Um, you know, I think it, certainly moving to San Francisco is a great place to be. Um, you know, it took him a good seven years to deliver on his potential, but uh, he really had a, a large increase in his fastball velocity, and it led to a dominant season last year. 
Uh, he only managed to throw 28 innings after July 31st because of shoulder fatigue. So that's kind of the big question mark. But even so, he finished as a top seven starter in five by five leagues last year. That's just how good his numbers were. Uh, he gets a huge park upgrade in San Francisco. So I really just think it's a question of whether he can maintain that fastball velocity over the course of a full season. Uh, but if he can, I mean, he could be a, a SP1 for sure. Yeah, and last season he threw 132.2 innings, which was his most since 2016. So, yeah, the the shoulder fatigue that he dealt with last year, um, you know, that's that's definitely a concern. Uh, he signed a two-year, $44 million contract with the Giants, so they... You know they believe he's doing all right, <laughs> um, and like you said, we talk we talk about a lot of giants on this on this podcast. Uh, the different episodes, they seem to get a lot out of their guys. I have uh, I have Carlos right up here. Um, I have him as my like SP twenty seven, so a little bit higher than where his ADP was. I got him looks a like lot now. higher it's... than that, my friend. I got him at SP fifteen right now. Oh wow! So you're you're not worried about the shoulder? <laughs> well, I, it's more like what I've been saying on, about other pitchers is there's just it's hard to find pitchers that don't have risk. Uh, they just yeah. all seem to have risk. So yep. why not take the guy who? I mean, he finished <laughs> as the seventh best pitcher last year, and that was missing a lot of time. So it's it's kind of like what I was saying about Degrom. It's like when the numbers are that dominant, you can you can factor in some missed time, and you're still mm-hmm. going to get great numbers. You know, I so. I feel like his floor is pretty high just because of how good the innings will be on a per start basis and the fact that he's in such a favorable pitching environment. Yep. And and he's he is climbing a, a little bit. It looks like he's the SP twenty nine. He was thir- you know, he was thirty one a week ago. Uh Verlander's still sitting right about thirty two, uh, where we had him uh, a week ago. And I, I mean, that's another guy who, as you said, he's he was great for a decade. Um, and I've always kind of followed his career. You know, he grew up kind of around here, uh, near Richmond, I think Goochland in Virginia went to ODU. So I've always kind of kept up with, with Verlander, but then, you know, he's 39 years old now and recover, recovering or, you know, recovered from Tommy John surgery, but coming back at such a late age, it's kind of fair to, fair to wonder if he'll return to that pre Tommy John form. So, I mean, if you think that he can, I mean, we talked about Chris Sale, right? We've talked about other guys. I mean, Sale's younger, but these guys that have some risk uh, with injury, you know, if we knew Verlander was healthy um, and if we see him really doing it in spring training, then you'd probably be drafting him as a top 10, you know, pitcher. Well, um, so yeah, you're, you're getting him much later for that, that injury risk. I mean, the, the early reports on him in spring training are, are very positive though. So yeah, uh, I, I, it's another one of these things where, yeah, there's risk. Sure. But there's risk with all pitchers, you know? Um, so I, I'm intrigued. I'm very intrigued by Verlander. I, I I know it's basically been two years since he has pitched in the major leagues, but uh, we know yeah. he knows how to do it. So if the stuff is looking good, um, and and also for the record, he was one of the biggest workhorses in, in baseball. So I know that most of his career was before this era of load management, but still, uh, there's no reason for Houston to like baby him you know i mean he's at the end of his career so they're not gonna shut him down early or anything like that they'll get everything out of him that they can until his arm (laughs) falls off you know yeah kind of like with max scherzer in in new york same thing yeah so so late in their career so it wouldn't be surprising to me if verlander ends up pitching quite a quite a few innings this season actually uh i think he's a very intriguing option 
Yeah, and you know, we really didn't see dis- uh, signs of his decline uh, back in his fir- his last full season, which was actually 2019. Um, so, you know, if he returns to that, then great. I think for me, I'd be I'd be okay um, taking him as like my SP three, but not before that. So, like, if you're waiting on pitcher, I, I don't think I'd take him as my SP two. Um, just with that risk, um, I think I'd probably rather have someone else. That's fair. I have him ranked as a low end SP two. Uh, at SP20 right now, but mm-hmm. that's more to like factor in the upside as well. As well. So uh, yep. I could see wanting to have two guys in front of him, but I think if you do have him as your SP3, then you potentially have a very, very strong rotation. Yep. So 33, uh, as of last Friday, was uh, Shane McClanahan mm-hmm. for Tampa Bay. Yeah. Where, it, where do you have him? I have him at SP25 right now. My, I'm still fine-tuning these rankings. So this is... Yeah, yeah. This is... We will be, by the way, posting all of these rankings at rosrankings.com before uh, the start of the season. Probably uh, as soon as we finish up with these position previews, we're going to do relief pitchers next Tuesday. And then uh, we will get these get these bad boys up on the site so you can see where Bart and I <laughs> formally have everyone ranked. But... Uh, yeah. There's just so many starting pitchers, so I'm still I'm still kind of in the laboratory tweaking there a little bit. But um, I do like McClanahan. I mean, he throws very hard, generates a lot of whiffs. Um, he can also give up a lot of hard contact, though. That happened last year. His 91.7 mile per hour average exit velocity allowed was the second highest among qualified starters. So that sort of led to that whip being a little bit high at 127, not what you're looking for. Um, I think the problem was that he through too many fastballs in the middle of the strike zone. So he'll need to just show improved command of the pitch to take the next step this season. But this is a young guy in a great situation. I mean, Tampa's a good pitching park in there. It's a well-managed, well-coached team. So uh, I think there's definitely some breakout potential there with Shane McClanahan. Yeah, there's breakout, there's breakout potential. We're going to talk about probably a lot of guys like him who have just really had like one season. Um, and one decent season and shown, you know, a decent K rate. Uh, he had a really high K rate in the minors. Um, but a lot of like rookie ball where he had like 18, 18 K per nine and then you know, 12 and a half. So he, he's always had like this above 10 K rate, even last year, uh, or K per nine, I should say. So, um, I think that, uh, I have him, I have him right here around like 31, but I'm, Again, I'm I'm like you. I'm I'm just still kind of adjusting. I might actually move him down a little bit because I have some guys that I like uh, better than him, um, and have a little bit more of a track record um, with with Tampa Bay. You know, his some of his projections like no one's really projecting him to throw more than 150 innings. Um, he might he might just throw like 120 or 30 again. So how many how many starts are you getting out of the guy? He might just get 25 starts again. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he if he if he does break out, you know, guys can break out and have 25 starts and be just fine. <laughs> Exactly. You you wouldn't really want to pass on a guy just because he's going to miss like three or four starts, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so next on the list is Blake Snell. Uh, what do you oh, think Blake about Snell. Blake Snell this season? I don't think much. Of, I don't think much about Blake Snell. <laughs> In fact, I feel like I need to move him down. Um, so he's he was going at thirty four. Yeah, I have him around forty two, forty three, and I, I just I don't know. He was barely like a top fifty. Uh, starting pitcher in each of the last two seasons. And so like, I don't know what we're going to, I mean, I know we look back to like that that great, what 2018 season he had. Um, I don't know what's going to make me think that he'll get there. Um, he's being drafted as like the SP 34, 35. 
I would just take him much later. I don't think he's he's still in a pitcher friendly park um, in San Diego. Good lineup behind him. Um, but yeah, I just I just I just don't know. Like looking at his Statcast numbers, what's gonna unless you see something, I don't see what's gonna he's gonna suddenly revert to you know his form from four years ago when he won twenty one games. He had the highest walk rate. Um, of I was sorting pitchers by like at least ninety innings from last year. It looked like he had the highest walk rate <laughs> of any starting pitcher. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have to get that under control. Yeah. Uh, so I, I I just I don't see a whole lot to like with Blake Snell. Yeah, I see that. I to me though, and and I I don't have I have him lower than ADP two, but I have him at thirty seven right now. Uh, he just reminds me an awful lot of Robbie Ray because they both <laughs> they both have like great stuff and can pile up the strikeouts, but walk mm-hmm. a lot of guys. Command's really an issue. They both have had like stretches of dominance at different times but they've also had some rough patches i'd say uh you know ray's dominance was more recent than snell's but his rough patches were also more recent and worse than than snell's so uh, to me those two guys are pretty similar i you know i I know everyone there's the recency bias so so ray gets ranked a lot higher uh but honestly like the way i look at snell is it's kind of like it's a coin flip. Like he could be great or he could be bad. You don't really know. Uh, I don't generally like drafting players like that, but I'm a lot more comfortable drafting a player like that at Blake Snell's ADP than I am at, at Robbie Ray's. You know, Blake Snell's going outside yeah. the top 100. So honestly, if like you draft him and he's bad and you it just doesn't work out, that's fine as long as you're not like instinctively putting him in your lineup while he's getting torched. You know, you need to adjust. <laughs> yeah. If he, if it looks like the bad Blake Snell is showing up, then you need to uh, uh, abort mission immediately. It push the <laughs> button and have your ejector seat pop out, you know? Uh, yeah. Because that, then it, then it could be really harmful to you. But if you're, if you're careful with him and you just take the, you know, gamble that you could strike gold, I think at, at 108th, player off the board that's a reasonable calculation to make yeah talking about like that with Blake Snell I think I don't know that I would even start him for his first start depending on who he's playing but like with a Justin Verlander if he's healthy I'm plugging him right in there man oh for sure but you know and I know you had Verlander much higher but they're going around similar ADPs and you know with a Blake Snell I might just if I if I do somehow draft him I think I would just leave him for a start or two (laughs) yeah see how he does that's a sign you're not going to be drafting him because exactly (laughs) you generally don't want to draft players that you're not going to trust in their first start (laughs) I know we're right here like we're still in like sp3 territory so for me he's more like of an he's an sp4 that's fair that's fair so next up uh uh, by ADP is Tyler Molly uh with the Reds um you know, he's actually developed into a solid mid-rotation fantasy starter over the last couple seasons with double-digit K per nine rates, ERA in the mid-threes. Uh, his walk rate and his whip have remained a little bit high, though. Um, the peripherals mostly support what he's been doing, but he'll need to remain adept at generating hard uh, uh, hard contact, avoiding hard contact uh, to avoid some of the ERA regression in Cincinnati's extremely hitter-friendly ballpark. Um, so, you know, for me, it, like, I feel like this ADP is a little bit high. It's not super high, but, um, you know, I think he's a decent fantasy starter. I don't think he has a ton of upside, but I don't think he has that much downside either. Yeah, and I, I kind of look at him as just, like, one of these solid guys. I, I think I need to start grouping them as I'm ranking them uh, because – Molly, I, he he uh, 
he looks like a guy who is going to be not like a workhorse, but he is going to be an innings eater and a guy we're going to talk about in a little bit. Like I kind of look at him like a guy like maybe like a Sean Manea or someone who's, I mean, has has like decent numbers, but is like no one's going to really go out there like wanting to draft him. We talked about um, Joe Musgrove last uh, podcast as like a pretty solid, you know, like bottom of like SP2. And maybe he's like kind of a cheaper version of that and like a guy that people aren't going to really be excited to draft, but who will get you, he'll be an accumulator. Um, I like Joe Musgrove his... a lot more than you for the record, but fair. Yeah. You like fair. it? Yeah. I think, yeah, I think we're going to have uh, a lot of discrepancies here when we look at starting pitcher versus some of the other positions. Yeah. Well, we were talking before we got on air here about how we might have a show uh, on our biggest ranking disputes. So uh, we could probably have a whole show just on pitcher ranking disputes. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't think that's unique to you and I. It's right. There's right. like a hundred pitchers that are interesting names, and it's very much down to personal preference how you rank those guys. Yeah, I know. And as we go through this list, I mean, once we get you know into like fifty, sixty, it's just like it's personal preference. It's like shoot down. Once we get down there, it's like kind of shoot your shot. Who do you like? It's already kind of um, like that here. What? I know. Where Where are you on Pablo Lopez? He's next. He's next. I have him like a couple spots higher than uh, Tyler Molly. So um, I, we talked about. I talked about Pablo Lopez. I think in the first SP episode as being a little bit kind of cheaper version of uh, Sandy Alcantara because like you know year over year like the last three he's improved you know his ratios and everything like that. So it does feel a little weird that I have three Marlins pitchers here inside my top thirty six, but uh, I do. <laughs> um, he's had some shoulder is- uh, shoulder issues, um, but like we said. We're going to have issues and risks with pitchers way more so than position players. Um, the most innings we've seen him throw in a season was 111.1 in 2019. So, like, he hasn't really had that big workload yet. I think if he can do it, I'd love to see what he can do with it. So maybe this is the season. But, you know, I guess we just don't know yet. But he's been solid when healthy, especially in Miami. Um, his home road splits are, are pretty um, apparent. Um, but like Alcantara... Like I said, he's improved his ERA and WHIP over the last three seasons, so I like to see those trends. Yeah, yeah, I like Lopez too. It's really just about that health status for me with him. Um, like if we, and it sounds like he's he looks all right right now in the spring, so that's encouraging. Uh, and as long as the, the, those reports stay positive, he's a guy I don't mind buying into as an SP three for sure. Yep. Sorry if you hear a bunch of buzzing over here. I think everyone's texting me about St. Peter's beating Purdue. <laughs> Is it over? <laughs> I think I, I guess so. Okay. I don't know. My phone's blowing up over here, but that's a big upset. Yeah. So, but just 37. on Lopez, real quick, I did want to say. Oh yeah. The shoulder injury. I mean, he he's missed time with that same injury in 2018, 2019, and 2021. So it yeah. is kind of a recurring thing, which makes it a little more concerning than if it was like a pitcher who had had three different injuries that were all completely unrelated. You know, I just, uh, the, the, the chance of re-injury is pretty high, but again, he's a pitcher. So what do you expect? <laughs> yep. So like I was getting ready to say, uh, Chris Bassett's next on the list. He's now a New York Met. So what do you, what do you like? Uh, or, you know, what do you like about, or what do you not like about Chris Bassett now in New York? I do like Chris Bassett. I think he's a very solid, stable fantasy asset. Uh, he's now 33 years old, but, He's put together a very solid major league career, uh, and he's been especially good over the last few seasons, posting a 3.23 ERA and a 1.14 WHIP since the start of 2018. And last year, he also managed to strike out more than a batter per inning for the first time in his career. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I think moving from Oakland to New York constitutes a slight downgrade in his pitching environment, but it's still a pretty favorable situation to be in. So, uh, you know, while he's obviously not a guy whose upside is through the roof, I think uh, he's a player that has a little less risk than than some others. Uh, so I think he's like a stabilizing presence in your rotation, especially if you are drafting some more boomer bust guys like, uh, you know, these guys coming off injury like Verlander or the or these guys who aren't as consistent in their performance like Snell. Yeah, and that's a good point about just as you're drafting starting pitchers because, you know, part of my strategy, I, I know every time I do a draft, I end up having a lot of pitchers and a lot of starting pitchers. I feel like, of course, it depends on your league and everything, but I feel like I only end up with a couple of position players on my bench and then a lot of pitchers on my bench because I like to draft a bunch, especially some of these guys we'll talk about late that I like a lot, see what they do, pick them up and drop them. We're always going to have batters you know, that you can pick up and drop, but I feel like with pitchers, um, maybe even less so. And Bassett, I agree. Like I talked about this on the first pod. I like he he gives me a little bit more warm and fuzzy feeling having someone with a little bit of a track record. The last three seasons, he's been very solid, and he's a guy that I would you know pick up, start right away, feel good about it. Unlike Blake Snell. <laughs> yeah. Well, so where are you on? So you like Bassett more than Molly then? Um, I have them right in the same tier. I mean, these guys that like Pablo Lopez, Tyler Molly, and Chris Bassett, I have all right in the same tier. So I actually didn't really move them around much versus where. Yeah, ADP was. Yeah, I just think Lopez has more upside than the other two, but also more risk. You know, I think Bassett yeah. and Molly are more similar, uh, but I do prefer Bassett of the two. I think it's a better pitching environment, and you know, just a little less flammable in terms of the home run ball sinking him and things like that. Yeah. So the next guy on the list is Clayton Kershaw at thirty-eight, and I actually moved him all. The, I have him all the way up at twenty-eight, and so. Uh, I mean, I feel like we're kind of repeating ourselves a little bit here with some of these, you know, veterans. But, I mean, everybody knows how elite Kershaw was. I think I even talked about how I might have drafted him number one overall one year. <laughs> like, he had such a good run for, like, three or four years. Um, but he was a top-five fantasy pitcher as recent as twenty that shortened 2020 season. And, like I said, we've seen a lot of elite seasons from him. So, uh, last year was his worst ERA in a long time, but it still wasn't bad. And, like... I think the ranking of him, his ADP just kind of comes down to a lack of trust in his arm holding up. And, you know, someone had asked him about, like, I think there's some quotes from him that people are speculating that he might even be considering retirement based on the deal he signed and stuff. So, like, I think some of the speculation around what is Kershaw, you know, is his heart in it or things like that. Some of the narrative, I think, might be pushing his ADP down. If he's out there and he's pitching and he's in the top five starters or six starters, let's say, for the Dodgers... I'm drafting him as inside my top 30. Yeah. Well, I actually, I, I, this is another one where you're, you might be above ADP, but I'm above you. <laughs> I've got him in <laughs> SP 19. Uh, I mean, he was, yeah, the ERA was high, the highest of his career basically last year, or at least since his rookie year, but it was only 355, which most pitchers <laughs> right. will gladly take that. And the, and all the advanced indicators, you know, his X ERA was 317. His X FIP was 287. So uh, he actually may have been a little unlucky to have that 355 ERA. And his strikeout rate was the highest that it's been since 2014, or no, 2015, I should say. But mm -hmm. either way, that was encouraging because to me, the 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 concern 
I now I get a lot of people have the concern that he's probably not going to throw 180 to 200 innings. Sure, that's fair. But yeah. you know, especially in the kind of formats I play in, um, where you can find guys on the waiver wire to eat up a bunch of those innings. They're inning cap leagues, so you the focus is on high quality of innings. Yep. You know, his his innings are still of a pristine quality. Uh, so you know, his walk rate is exceptionally low. Strikeout rate had been declining a little bit, but it jumped back up last season. So that was yep. good to see. Um, I just, you know, he's still only 34, which, you know, we, we've been talking about guys like Max Scherzer and Lance Lynn and Charlie Morton. They're all older than him, and we're ranking them up high. So why not Kershaw, too? You know, I like I understand he'll probably have some time. Uh, on the IL at various points. I mean, that's kind of just the Dodgers playbook anyway. But uh, I think he's. I think he could probably throw more than last season's 121 and two thirds innings. And uh, I think the ERA that 3.55 is probably on the higher end of what we can expect from him. So, uh, and you know, he's going to be very helpful in the in WHIP as well. And he's going to have great run, uh, great win potential uh, with maybe the best lineup we've ever yeah. seen supporting him. So. I think there's a lot of reasons to be excited about Kershaw, even if he's not quite the dominant force that he once was. And his ADP has has uh, you know gone up a little bit. He's now the SP35 since a week ago, so it is creeping up a little bit as people are doing drafts. I mean, I'm just he's got to be in my top 30, and I like I'm glad to hear that you're even higher, and it kind of makes me feel like I should be even higher if he's healthy. He's Clayton Kershaw, man. Like if you're sitting there in your draft. And Clayton Kershaw is there above, like, and some of these other guys. I just think I'm going to pull the trigger yeah. on Kershaw yeah. if he's healthy. Yeah. I just am. I have him and Verlander back-to-back, and I was just thinking about yeah. it, and I was just like, am I really going to take guys like Logan Webb and Sandy Alcantara ahead of those guys? I don't think I am because you're, <laughs> right. it's, uh, it's a lot of projecting with those guys. And with Verlander it and is. Kershaw, we've seen it so many times. Yep. So 39, who we got here? Uh, Shane Baz, yeah. another Tampa pitcher. Yeah, so he is dealing with an injury right now, um, but he, uh, you know, he dominated double A and triple A hitters for most of last year, and then looked just as good uh, during a very brief thirteen and a third inning stint with the Rays. Uh, it was already an open question how many innings he'd be allowed to pitch this year, but now it's unlikely that he's going to debut until at least May after undergoing arthroscopic surgery to remove loose bodies from his right elbow. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a setback's always possible with that as well. So he could be a big difference maker in the second half, but I think he's a pretty risky investment at, at this point. So I have him pretty far down my rankings at SP69 at the moment. Okay. Yeah, he's uh, he's a, he's actually creeping down. He's at SP43 now as far as ADP. I had, I had ranked him around SP46, but... Uh, you know, just hearing some of that news, which I, I hadn't seen about him, definitely going to move him down a bit. I mean, even if he get, just gets like a hundred innings coming back from an injury, it's hard to say. And I've got, I've got some other guys with injury concerns who have moved down. Maybe I'll just make a tier of these guys. <laughs> yeah, you might need to make more than one tier of them. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so next up is Framber Valdez. What do you think about him? Yeah, you know, uh, I I like him all right. He's another guy like. You know, when we last saw him in the World Series, he was kind of getting lit up. But <laughs> hopefully that won't carry over into 2022. Um, he's just 28 years old. Uh, he's coming off his first full season as a starter, which is we can say that for a lot of these guys we're talking about, right? 
Uh, he does a good job limiting home runs. His ground ball rate is 70%. So he's a great ground ball pitcher. His overall numbers are kind of that good, not great. He walked nearly four batters per nine innings. Really not great. <laughs> um, he's you know he's going to be like the number two or three starter in Houston's rotation, which has been good for fantasy. They have a you know when we talk about these lineups and and pitchers who you you know you want to target and get. I have him like around SP forty. Uh, so, but as I'm as I'm kind of talking about him versus some of these other guys, I might I might lower him a little bit um, than that just because there's nothing like super exciting to me about Valdez. Well, you can probably guess I'm going to be pretty low on him, too. Uh, <laughs> I don't generally like pitchers who barely have a two-to-one strikeout-to-walk ratio. That's <laughs> a big turnoff for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the other thing is, I mean, I do like the ground ball rate. I mean, he's probably, I think he might be the number one best ground ball pitcher in baseball. I mean, he the 70% ground ball rate, 70.3% last year, that's... A massive, massive number. So that does keep the ball in the ballpark. I mean, his home run mm-hmm. per fly ball rate was pretty was very high actually, but his overall home run rate still was not bad because he gives up so few fly balls. Um, so that's the nice thing about his resume. But uh, that strikeout rate and that walk rate really scare me. Also, mm-hmm. the BABIP allowed last year was two sixty eight, which you're not going to see a BABIP allowed like that from a ground ball pitcher. I mean, that's a huge fluke because ground balls have much higher BABIPs than fly balls. You know, if, if, if a yeah. fly ball is not going over the fence, it's probably an out. If a ground ball, uh, it, you know, is hit reasonably hard, it's probably a hit. So uh, there's going to be some regression to that BABIP, which is going to push up that ERA. It's going to push up that whip. Uh, you know, if he if he has walk issues, I mean – you know, his walk rate was good in 2020, but that that was only 70 innings. And he had had big walk issues prior to that as well. So I don't really trust the resume here. Uh, the, you know, the Astros seem to always find a way to get, like, good ERAs out of their pitchers. So mm-hmm. he'll probably have a sub-4 ERA, but I think the rest of his numbers are going to be pretty unappealing. I have him buried way down at SP71 at the moment. Oh, boy. Well, you're definitely not going to draft any of him this, this year. I'm not. Well, the, the, next, the next guy, Zach Gallon, I kind of threw down into that tier where we were just talking about Shane, ba- Shane Baz because I, I don't really trust, you know, the injury history and kind of what I'm hearing on his recovery. Um, let me see if I can find my note. Or maybe you can maybe you can talk about uh, Zach Gallon. Sure. Yeah, well, so the thing, you know, we, I was talking before about, like, Pablo Lopez and how he'd missed time with the shoulder injury in three separate seasons. If you want to have, like, a any good news about Gallon? It's that the injuries were all different last year. <laughs> he had a forearm yeah. injury, he had an elbow injury, and he had a hamstring injury. Uh, and he also struggled while he was on the mound with a 3.63 walks per nine, 430 ERA, 129 whip. Not not good numbers. Um, he still managed a double-digit K per nine for the third consecutive season, though. And he's only 26 years old, so I feel like a solid bounce back is pretty likely if he can just stay healthy because he posted a sub three ERA in both 2019 and 2020, which is pretty darn impressive. So I'm not ready to write off Zach Allen yet. I definitely understand the, the injury concerns, but, um, but I, you know, I think there's still quite a bit of upside with him. So like for me, he's, he's more similar to like a, a, you know, like a Jack Flaherty or something where it's like, if he's healthy, he could be really, really good. It's just a question of, whether he can be healthy. 
Yeah, the the latest note I see on him is a little outdated. Uh, it's from a few days ago, but it's saying you know he's throwing he's throwing live batting practice, he's throwing bullpen sessions. Um, not likely to be ready for opening day. You know, after coming off some shoulder bursitis in the off season, so that string of uh, phrases for me just lowers him <laughs> until until I kind of see him based on the like the injuries that you had last year, even though they were kind of all over the place. Someone already dealing with. You know, not really throwing in games. If he was in, you know, spring training games throwing, I'd, I'd be a little bit more excited. But I, I lowered him about 20 spots versus where ADP has him right now. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, we're at this time in the season now where it's like one NBC Sports Edge news blurb or Fantasy yeah. Pros news blurb can, like, totally change how we feel about these guys, you know? Absolutely. Or just one beat writer tweet or whatever it is, you know? Um, yep. Because uh, there's a lot of these guys who it's like, are they going to be ready for opening day or not? It's hard to it's hard to really know. Um, if he's not ready for opening day, then you, yeah. I mean, if if he once he's ruled out for opening day, I think then you you do have to drop him down a little bit. And it sounds like it's trending that way, but uh, it's just not one of those things that's been uh, officially declared yet. Right, and we've got a couple more weeks, but I'm sure a lot of people are getting ready to do some fantasy drafts like in the next week. So time is of the essence. Yes, absolutely. Uh, next guy on the list uh, is Ian Anderson uh, for the Braves. Uh, he was so he was about ADP forty two, uh, SP forty two. I have him a few spots higher, around SP thirty seven. So you know he showed a great K rate in the minors, uh, and even like that small stint in the majors in twenty twenty, and that dropped a little bit last year. Um, but I just I, I like seeing those numbers and, and thinking maybe they can translate a little bit. His his walk rate was on par with guys like Dylan Cease and Nick Bavetta. So you don't want to be mentioned with those guys when you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> putting guys on base, yeah. giving those free passes. So I'm sure that's why a lot of people don't want to draft him. But he's a former first round pick that that great strikeout potential. Uh, those are things that like at this point in the draft and for the Braves with that lineup, they just they kind of get me excited and thinking, well, he, again, he might be a guy where I, I might not put him in there for the first start, but you know, if he's playing against the Marlins, I, pro- I probably will and see what happens. And I, I think he could be a guy who could be a good SP two or three for you. Yeah. Where'd you say you have him ranked? I have him at 37. Yeah. So yeah, I have him at 42 or 43. So pretty similar. I, I mean, I, I generally agree with you. It's like, I look at last season's numbers and I'm kind of like turned off by them. Um, but I look at the minor league track record and, you know, what he showed in 2020, and mm-hmm. I'm sort of willing to give him another chance because he's still only 24 years old. He is in a great situation in Atlanta. Uh, so I'm hoping that he can get that strikeout rate back up um, because the walk rate, yeah, like you said, it's it's always been kind of an issue, and yeah. uh, it's always going to sort of limit his upside, I think. Um you know, especially in terms of whip. I mean, there's kind of like a, if he gets the strikeout rate up, he's kind of like Luis Castillo, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. as long as he has the walk rate, it's, it's the upside is just can only go so high. So that's kind of the problem, but, uh, but it is a, a, a good division to be pitching in, obviously a good organization that has a very long track record of developing pitchers. So, um, I'm willing to expect that he can be better than he was, last season uh at least in terms of the strikeouts i you know his babip was very low babip allowed uh you know so the the advanced indicators suggest his era should have been closer to four or maybe even a little over it so 
Uh, he's going to need a pitch better to match that ERA from last year, but I th- I think he'll be like a solid mid-tier fantasy starter. Yeah. So the next guy's pretty different. We got a grizzled veteran in Nathan Eovaldi, uh one of your Red Sox. So where do you have uh, where do you have him in relation to a guy like Ian Anderson? <laughs> well, it's going to be sacrilege because I'm a Red Sox fan, but I I've got him buried down by Framber Valdez and okay. in the SP seventy range, and it, it, the reason is just you know the so he's an example of a pitcher who improved significantly in his late twenties and early thirties and had arguably a career year last year. Um, he's posted mm-hmm. a sub four ERA and a one twenty or better WHIP in three of the last four seasons. Um, and you know, but really what stood out last year was the 182 and a third innings, which was easily as most since back in 2014. So I think he's got, so what's like, not to like, well, I just, <laughs> I, I just don't expect that to happen the since, <laughs> most since 2014, you know? Um, yeah. so I think he's got like excellent control and a pretty high floor, but the durability is a concern for me. And I also just don't really see any upside, you know? So, um, that's like not a combo that I really like to invest in that much when there's like an injury issue and a lack of upside. You know, if I, if I just want some boring innings eating solid guy, I can probably find one that doesn't, that, you know, regularly throws 180 innings instead of once every decade. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the next guy on the list, I, I have kind of, this, I have kind of similar feelings about, and I've already mentioned him and it's Sean Manea. Um He's solid, but like, I just don't think, He's that great at anything. Uh, he he probably will have an ERA under four, maybe a whip around one point two, kind of like Eovaldi, right? Very similar. Yeah. yeah. Um, his strikeout rate is good, not great. There's just not a whole lot for me to get excited about. And then like the lineup behind him is not great since Chapman and Olsen are gone. Um, I think I saw a blurb earlier about Manea that, that was saying you know the Oakland is looking to, I mean they're looking to trade everyone it seems. Um, yeah, Ken Rosenthal, the athletic, said A's are currently focused on trade offers for, for Sean Manea. So that could be a good thing um, if he's out of Oakland, but might not be. I mean, Oakland's a great pitcher's park, so might not be. So as of right now, I just I don't have a whole lot to get excited about him. Yeah, no, that's fair. I did just move Eovaldi up a little bit. I, I, I think I was being a little too harsh on him. Like, I'll, I'll put him <laughs> in the SP55 kind of range. Uh, I, can, yeah. I can get behind that. But there you go. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think that's around where I have Manaya too. I have him at SP fifty nine. So I agree, they're kind of in that same sort of range. Uh, <clears throat> it's hard to say. I mean, I've, it's hard to say whether a trade would be a good thing or a bad thing for him because that's right. just such a great pitcher's park. But there's going to be no run support, uh, <laughs> so right. uh, it's it's pluses and minuses, I guess. But I don't know. Yeah, Sean Manaya is just the kind of he's just the sort of pitcher that I feel like ends up on the waiver wire in my leagues like every single season. Uh, it's just like, do you really want to spend an early pick on that? I, I yeah, and if he I goes don't. to like the Yankees or something, I mean, what he'll probably look like what Andrew Heaney looked like last year, just getting you know just hitting home runs off him like <laughs> back to back to back. I don't know. Yeah, I just see him going to a park like that and just getting destroyed. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I just don't think I'm likely to draft players like Sean and I. I just don't. No, I, uh, he just doesn't excite me. Maybe yeah, a decent. I've got to lower him even more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so next on the list, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, and I gotta say, you know, <laughs> there's been people hyping Eduardo Rodriguez, uh, you know, all through his Red Sox career. Uh, yeah, just expecting 
magic from this guy and I never really <laughs> understood it. Um, you know, he just hadn't really done anything to warrant the, the hype that I felt like he always got. Um, mm-hmm. but I do think like in Detroit, that might be a good situation for him. Um, last year was like a truly bizarre <laughs> season for him. He had a career best 10.63 K per nine and 2.68 walks per nine. So best strikeout rate and walk rate of his career Worst ERA, 474, and whip, 139 <laughs> of his career. It, it's just there's no correlation somehow there. Um, the culprit was the second-worst BABIP allowed in baseball, 363 batting average against. Uh, figure that's sh- sure to normalize this season. Um, he also, you know, I think he'll benefit quite a bit from m- moving from Fenway to Comerica Park, even if his win potential suffers a bit in the process. Um, so I think he actually could be a serviceable mixed league starter this year. It's just funny that he had his worst ERA and whip of his career. And I'm like more in on him than I have ever been before, <laughs> but so it goes. I, I, yeah. I was trying, he, didn't he have a really tough bout with, bout with COVID too? He did. I can't remember. Yeah. It was like, very serious actually. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that was probably the off season, uh, leading up to 2021, mm-hmm. but he came in and he, like, he had a great March and April. Um, like probably his best month looking at his splits. So yeah, his just looking at his numbers, it, it's kind of very bizarre uh, and hard to figure out. Um, but yeah, maybe I mean he's staying in the American League, and who knows? Maybe maybe moving to Detroit would be good for him for some of the reasons, like you said. It's definitely an easier place to pitch, either ballpark, easier division. So um, yep. yeah, maybe that helps him out. Uh, so yeah, I buried the next guy in that injury tier that we're talking about and I don't I have to see where Lance McCullers is going now because he was he was ADP 46 when we looked at this and let's see what his ADP it's now down to 54 SP 54 okay so I'm gonna have to find him here I I'm, I, bar- I like I said I kind of buried him um <laughs> like kind of down in that 79 Framer Valdez <laughs> area you're talking about even um but he's 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 always has this great strikeout rate uh, he had one of the worst walk rates among starting pitchers, like qualified starting pitchers last year. And, you know, he has this history of arm and elbow is- uh, injuries, and he's already behind in recovery. So unless I see some good spring training notes or, you know, some some positive things on him, he's going to stay buried to me. The last thing I saw on him is he was getting some injection in his elbow due to an elbow tendon issue in March. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't seen anything since then, so, like, I don't really know what's going on with his health, but... I tend to stay away from guys, like I said, who are already having elbow issues or shoulder issues and aren't going to be there for opening day. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, he's another guy that I feel like there's there's a contingent of people out there that just love them some Lance McCullers. And yeah. I've just never really been there. Um, I mean, I do agree that, like, you know, when he's actually pitching, he's decent. Uh, his ratios tend not to be that great, though. They're okay, but not that great. Um, but... Uh, you know, and he had, he draws a lot of walks. I mean, he throws he offers a, a lot of walks, so that's that's part of the problem. But the durability has just always been always been a question with him. So, yep, yeah. Whether it's a flexor, so, he says it's a flexor tendon injury and not a UCL issue. Uh, I don't know if we we're take supposed to be encouraged it? by that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, let's see. Next on the list, we've got Sonny Gray. He's had sort of a strange career. I mean, he, you know, he sort of looks great at times and really rough at other times. 
Um, but he's been a good source of strikeouts for three years in a row now. Um, he's also issued a lot of walks, struggled with home runs last year. Uh, but I think, you know, the shift in home park from Cincinnati to Minnesota should help him quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, even if, you know, he no longer will get to face opposing pitchers, which he wasn't going to get to do even if he stayed <laughs> stayed yeah. in the National League. Um, his ratio should be uh, pretty decent, I think, when all is said and done. And uh, it's just really a matter of consistency with him. Like I said, just the consistency from start to start and season to season has just been kind of spotty, I guess you could say. Yeah. And he's a, you know, he's a former first-round pick and one of those guys I feel like you always have heard about and people expected really big things from him, but I do like to see that his, you know, strikeout rate over the last 3 years has been over 10 and before that it just he it really wasn't he wasn't really a big strikeout guy. Um it'd be interesting to see what what that park shift does like you said. It's definitely a good thing getting out of Cincinnati, so we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Um Next guy on my list I like a lot, Logan Gilbert, or next, not my list, but the list that we're using. So he's he was SP48, and I put him up around SP43, so a little bit higher, and I feel like I need to move him up even more, because as I, as I look into him and his potential, I just kind of like him more and more. Um, he's the He was the 2018 first-round pick. Um, after sort of like the first 40 pitchers that we've kind of been talking about, I, I want to start getting these guys that I like, and you might have to kind of bump those guys up even a little bit more. Uh, Gilbert definitely needs to figure some things out <laughs> at the major league level, but he, you know, he showed an ERA under two in the minors, and his K per nine has been steady, at like right around ten at all different levels. And um, he had a really rough August last year that kind of tanked some of his numbers, but otherwise he was really good if you look at his splits uh, month by month. I, you know, I kind of look at that some like growing pains, and I tend to be a little more. Rosy about his his outlook, kind of like with his teammate Jared Kellenick. Like maybe just you know, if you look at his season last year too, he had he had some bumps and bruises, and everybody's excited to draft him this year. So I kind of like me some Logan Gilbert. I think I might move him up a little bit even more. Where do you have him? Forty three. Yeah, I have him at thirty eight. So yeah, uh, yeah, I like him a lot too. Uh, you know, he's got a great fastball. It's just really improving those secondary pitches is the key because. Um, he gave up a lot of hard contact last year, 11th highest average exit velocity among 98 qualified starters. And that's why he ended up with that 468 ERA because, like you said, strikeout rate was good. Uh, the walk rate was, was pretty good. The whip was good. Uh, he's a very highly regarded prospect. He's been looking good this spring. There's definitely some clear breakout potential here. And pitching in Seattle is a nice place to be honing your craft. So, uh, there's yeah, there's a lot to like with Logan Gilbert for sure. Yeah, you said looking good this spring. I just saw the the blurbs from from Thursday. It was against Cleveland, which isn't the best lineup, but one run on one hit while striking out six in three innings. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> Cleveland, which has spent a total of nine hundred thousand dollars on free agents this offseason. <laughs> Is that right? Oakland is oh zero, <laughs> and then the Guardians oh. are nine hundred thousand, I think, and then every other team's at least five million. It's pretty, pretty disgusting. I thought you just made that number up, just like no <laughs> as a joke. No, I wish I, I wish it was that's made bad. Up. Yeah, that's bad. yeah, it's those cheap Dolans. Um, so next up on the list, old friend Adam Wainwright. Yeah, what a crazy good season he had last year. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he'd basically been off the radar in fantasy for about half a decade. And then, you know, he cobbled together some decent numbers in the COVID-shortened 2020 season. 
And then he did that over 206 and a third innings last year with a 305 ERA, 106 whip, 17 wins. It was good enough to finish as a top 12 fantasy starter in 5x5 formats, even though his strikeout rate was only 7.59 per per nine. Um, you know, the underlying numbers, of course, that suggest that he's due for quite a bit of regression, but given his past history of success, it wouldn't be surprising for him to outpitch those peripherals again and be a mixed league asset. You know, I, I can't rank him that high just because of the, the middling strikeout rate, but if you play in like yeah. a points league or a, a league without innings caps and you just want to rack up as many innings as you can with solid ratios, I, I think mm-hmm. there's a good chance that Wainwright can do that again, even at his advanced age. Yeah, wow. He's never even been a, a kid like a – a nine you know k per nine a strikeout per inning guy in his whole career never hit that mark yeah well to be fair he played in a different era so <laughs> yeah i mean he's that old <laughs> gosh he's, he's been playing forever yeah he seemed and i it's it's i didn't realize how many innings he pitched last year 206 that's crazy yep. he seems like the kind of guy like at this point in his career you know the manager's coming out there and he's like no nah, i'm staying in <laughs> give me another inning fine <laughs> yeah um still feels yeah, like yesterday I, that he was like you know, the protege of Chris Carpenter. Yeah. I guess Wainwright was probably on that World Series team that beat your Red Sox, right? Was it was it was it Cardinals Red Sox? Uh, I'm I'm bad at thinking of these things off the top they, of my head, sorry. They didn't beat us. <laughs> we oh, beat then, them. Then, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um so at fifty, uh this is a guy that a lot of people are excited about. I definitely like him. Uh Ranger Suarez for for the Phillies. So his ADP was SP fifty a week ago. Let's see if he's you know see if he's jumped up a little bit. He's at forty eight, so he's going a little bit higher. I have him up at SP forty, and honestly, like I could bump him up a little bit more. Um, you know, we talked about like a Corbin Burns, and I know I'm not I'm not going to compare these two too much, uh, <laughs> but they're both you know converted relievers. And Suarez got twelve starts last year and, and was really good. And if you look at his numbers, like reliever versus starter, there's not much difference. In fact, he gave up fewer home runs per nine as a starter. Um, he only threw like just over like 100 total innings, so it's a small sample size. But if he's if he's going to be the starter all year as expected, I like. I mean, it's a little risky, but if his ADP is around 50, and I'm saying he's you know, SP 40, hopefully I'll get a little bit of Ranger Suarez um, because I think he could be kind of a I guess mid to late round gem based on what it, what he did last year. Yeah, I'm not really buying it, but we'll have to see. I yeah. I just uh, I just feel like you look at the underlying numbers and it just seemed like he got awfully lucky to me. <laughs> 257 <laughs> BABIP allowed, 5.8% home run to fly ball rate, 86.3% left on base percentage. Uh you know, I just I don't think his stuff is really special and I I I don't think it's a guarantee that he can last long term as a starter in in the majors. So like it was a really nice run and uh you know he as a starter he threw about 65 innings uh so that was a really nice stretch but it's it's a pretty small sample size to um bank on you know um so you know we have been talking about a lot of pitchers where they've only done it once i feel like he's done it for like a third of a season basically uh so yeah i just i i need to see more before i'm willing to buy in um, at this cost, not that it's like a super high cost, but I just, there's other guys I think I like more. Yeah. And like this guy has a way better like strikeout rate and stuff, but we just talked about a guy like 10 picks ago and Shane Baz 
who had three starts last year. So, like, we've already talked about guys who were going way earlier, who were projecting, who haven't done it. Maybe you know, maybe we've seen more out of you know out of them in the minors and and different things with the under, underlying uh, metrics. But I don't know. I, I just think at this point, like you know, SP fifty, SP forty, SP sixty. I see him like I'll probably reach for him a little bit before SP fifty personally. Mm-hmm. That's fair. I just yeah. I mean, Shane Baz was like a much higher prospect and has much better yeah. stuff, you know. But he also is injured right now, so. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't yeah, take yeah. Boz ahead of him right now, but uh, right, yeah, but yeah, I just I don't know. I I need to see more from Suarez before I'll trust this breakout. I guess time will tell. So, yeah. So SP fifty one was Mike Clevenger, who we haven't seen in a while for the Padres, or have we seen him at all yet for the Padres? I don't think we have. No, no. <laughs> no. Uh, I'm I'm in on Clevenger too. I'm give me all these like former studs who are coming back from injuries. <laughs> apparently, I'm 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 willing to take the shot. I got him at SP thirty three right now. Uh, he was a total stud from 2017 to 2020 before Tommy John put him on the shelf for a year and a half. You know, it's hard to know what we're gonna get after that long a layoff. But the situation is very enticing. The early reports are that he's ready to go. So. You know, at this price, I'll take a shot on this. Like, I would rather take a shot on Clevenger than Suarez. You know, I just believe in the pitcher so much more. And I feel like they they both have risk in different ways. So I'll, I'll just uh, I'll go with Clevenger in that choice because I just think the upside is just significantly higher. Yeah, and you talked about, like, one little blurb that you get and you move a guy up. I was just on Wednesday. He he had three perfect innings against the White Sox. I don't have the box score in front of me, so I don't know <laughs> if it was like a bunch of minor league guys or if it was the real deal. But in any event, throwing three perfect innings, you know, in spring training is a good sign. So it's one of those things. I feel like I need to bump him up about ten spots because I have him around SP fifty, mm-hmm. and I I feel like he's I should put him more around a guy like Ranger Suarez, who I just talked about. Yep. Yep. All right. So next on the list, we've got uh, Marcus Stroman. Yeah, so now with the Cubs. Yeah. So I have him. I have him around SP forty six. Uh, he opted out of the twenty twenty season due to COVID concerns, so we haven't seen him in, in a little bit. But he returned. Uh, well, we didn't see him that year. Rather, sorry. Um, you know, last year he actually had a sub three sub three ERA. So he's uh, flirted with that his last two seasons in the league. So twenty nineteen his ERA was three point two two. So his ERA has been really good. His WHIP last year was his best since twenty fifteen. So. I don't know. Like he's a he's a solid innings eater. I've always kind of like I've always kind of liked Stroman, probably because I watched him like in the World Baseball Classic when that was like yeah <laughs> I don't know I just like always or do you follow him. him on Twitter? He's a, he's a good no, follow on Twitter. Oh maybe I should. <laughs> I kind of I yeah I've probably seen people retweet his stuff to be honest. Yeah. I, but I don't follow him personally. Yeah. But yeah, I, I like I like Stroman. Um, I have him up here. Like I said, like SP forty six. I could even see him you know taking him even a little bit higher than that. So yeah. Well, I'm just you know I'll I'll keep it quick with him. I'm not a Stroman guy. I just low K rate. The stri- yeah, exactly. I I mean yeah. yes, it's it's totally format dependent. It really is because if if you're in a league where that K per nine just doesn't really matter, then go for it. You know, I mean, I think he's got yeah. a very high floor. I think he's a, a very reliable pitcher who's had a 3.22 ERA or better in three of the last four years. Uh, like you said, big time innings eater. Um, mm-hmm. So that's just, uh, you know, that, that, that counts for something, but, uh, the strikeout rate just is, 
is a real problem for me. And, uh, you know, I don't think he's a great whip guy. I mean, last year he was 115, but before that he had never been better than 129, uh, essentially. So, um, I, you know, he's not going to help there either. Uh, so I'm just, I'm not really in on, on Stroman, but I, I understand there are some, some formats where he's a useful option. Okay. SP53 is up next, and that's Michael Kopeck of the White Sox. Now, this guy I'm all about. I love me some <laughs> Michael Kopeck. I, I think he's a great, great breakout candidate. Uh, he was mostly utilized as a reliever last season, but the numbers he produced were, were eye-catching, to say the least. 13.37 K per nine rate was the fourth highest among pitchers who threw at least 60 innings. Uh, he's a former top prospect, 25 years old. Um, you know, his career was sidetracked by Tommy John surgery and then by the pandemic, but, uh, he's now candidate to finally get a shot in the White Sox rotation. We know that that's a team that is going to win a lot of games and give him a lot of win potential. I think he has legitimate fantasy ace potential. So I have him right there with in that Clevenger group. Uh, I have him at SP 34. I, I could see myself even moving him up a few more spots, to be honest. Did you say 34 or 44? 34. Woo. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's pretty high. I mean, yeah. He, it look, I didn't realize he came up with the, uh, the Red Sox actually drafted him in 2014. Well, that must like be you said, why first, I love him then. Maybe. Maybe there's a little bit of unconscious bias. <laughs> well, there, tell that uh, to Nathan Evaldi. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Poor guy. Yeah. But yeah, Kopech, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. Like, we haven't really seen a whole lot of him in the majors, but he did look good last year. And yeah, that K per nine rate, and he's he's shown really good stuff. So if he's a if he's if they let him go as like a full time starter, and he gets twenty twenty five starts, he really could be a good late round guy who ends up being like a top twelve or fifteen starting pitcher for sure. Yeah, kind of like a Freddie Peralta we saw before, kind of take that leap. Who was a bullpen? You know that he was pretty electric in the bullpen, and then he finally got that chance, and then just lit it up. Yep. Yep. Uh, so I think we can skip over the next guy because that's Corey Knable, and we'll talk yeah. about him next week on our relief pitcher show. Sure. And we can hop right into the next hot topic, which is Trevor mm. Bauer. Uh, yeah. You know, I know there are some fantasy analysts who just won't even talk about Trevor Bauer, and I, I definitely respect that if that's the stance that someone wants to take. Uh, I'm still kind of curious about it from a fantasy perspective. I think a lot of our listeners probably are too. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the latest news on Trevor Bauer is that, uh, MLB is, he's on administrative leave until April 16th and, uh, major league baseball is not likely to make any decision about a potential suspension for Trevor Bauer until around then. So, uh, you're not only going to have to go into your draft, not knowing when he, if, or when he might pitch again this season, um, you you're you're gonna go into the regular season and start missing some games without knowing having those answers either. So he's a real kind of like stash and hope kind of a pick. I mean, and certainly I understand if people don't want him on their team for moral reasons. Um, that's I totally respect that if if that's how people feel about it. Um, you know, there's no guarantee he throws a single pitch this season or ever again. I, th I think he right. probably will, but uh, you know, Dave Roberts has had some strange quotes. I, I think he actually uh, said something that got misreported about 
thinking that Bauer might never come back to the team. And then uh, Bauer like pushed the reporter to like correct the record on it or something. So um, there's just been a lot of, a lot of kind of ambiguous noise coming out about this. And it's really hard to know how it's going to play out, but certainly from an on field perspective, if Trevor Bauer is pitching, like he's going to be a, very very valuable fantasy option and there's just really no way around that yep and just like you kind of alluded to with know your rules in your league uh likely he's going to have some na or suspended uh icon next to him like in yahoo league so he will eat up a roster spot more than likely but yeah i mean some i mean i don't know some leagues you know you can kind of customize what you have there maybe you have deep benches and you can you can afford to stash him but he's not going to be on the il you won't be able to stash him that way. So just a heads up there. Yeah, yeah. And that's a good, very good reason to that leagues do not allow people to stash NA players. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So next guy on the list, uh, Hyunjin Ryu for the Blue Jays. He's at SP56, and I have him about 10 spots higher. Um, I have him at SP47. And some of this is kind of what I heard someone talking about him on Fangraph's uh, podcast about which I didn't realize. Um, also, happy birthday! He turns thirty-five today. Oh. Um, yeah, which I just noticed when I was kind of looking him up. But <laughs> yeah, apparently, you know, he he wasn't able to see his family at all last year. This is a bit, you know, narrative street. Um, but he he talked about how that that impacted him quite a uh, quite a deal due to COVID. And so he had a, he had a down year, and I'm sure it wasn't all due to him not being able to see his family. I'm sure there were some other things going on, but that could have really impacted the guy. He had a rough ERA. Um, we've seen him have a sub three ERA, twenty eighteen through twenty twenty. So to me, he feels like a good bounce back by low candidate. Like it's a guy who maybe just had a rough season. And looking at the seasons right, like just before, like I said, he was really good. And so Blue Jays are the favorites to win a tough division, uh, minus the Orioles, of course. And uh, <laughs> they're uh, you know the Blue Jays are going to win a lot of games uh, with this lineup that they're just stacking up like some of these other teams are. So I think. Ryu is a cheap way to get a piece of this rotation. Yeah. Well, it took a while, Bart, but we finally completely agree on a pitcher because I wholeheartedly <laughs> agree with you. I actually have him exactly at SP 47 as well. I think he is a, a very good uh, bounce back candidate. Uh, you know, anyone that would say, oh, it was because he went from LA to Toronto. Well, no. I mean, he was excellent in 2020 in his first season in Toronto. Right. Uh, I just think this guy is a craftsman. I think he knows how to pitch, and that gets you pretty far. Um, mm-hmm. He's not as big a strikeout guy as I would like, but I think that last year's number was lower than we should expect. I think he can at least be a serviceable uh, contributor in that category, and and the, the ratios have just always been really good. I mean, certainly pitching in LA helped, but... I think he should be helpful in those in those ratios, uh, even in Toronto. And like you said, lots of win potential there as well. Yep. Uh, so next on the list, we have Noah Syndergaard, another one of the <laughs> injury comeback <laughs> pitchers to look at here. Um, this is this is becoming a big tier. <laughs> it is. It's a huge tier because pitchers get hurt all the time. In case you yeah. haven't noticed, uh, <laughs> I'm. You know, I'm. I'm. I'm buying in on Syndergaard. He's not. I'm not quite as high on him as I might be on some of these other guys coming off the injuries, like Clevenger and uh, actually Luis Severino. We'll get to soon as well. Um, but I, I still do like Syndergaard. I mean, 
Uh, it's been a long road back from Tommy John surgery for him. Uh, and he finally threw a couple innings with the Mets uh, last last year before moving to the Angels over the offseason. Uh, the career numbers speak for themselves. 331 ERA, 116 whip, 9.74 K per nine. Um, you know, he's only 29 uh, still. And guys do make strong recoveries from Tommy John surgery nowadays. It's not like back in the 80s where it could, like, ruin a guy's career, you know. We see these guys come back from this uh, and and get back to their old level, sometimes even better than they were before. Uh, you know, his last season before uh, the injury, he was not particularly good. Um, so that's, like, the one little red flag, I guess you could say. But I kind of look at the career more as a whole. So I'm willing to uh, kind of look past that a little bit and be optimistic that – uh, he can he can be healthy and productive this season. Yeah, I didn't move him too far up from where this ADP is, but as we're talking about these guys who fit in this injured tier, uh, you know, guys returning from injury uh, who are former studs, I feel like I'll probably move him up a little bit, especially if we hear some good you know reports out of a couple of spring training starts. He also um, very strong on his Twitter pun game I saw today. Uh, J.J. Watt was wanting to go to a game or something and asking the Angels like when so-and-so was pitching, and Noah Syndergaard uh, tweeted at J.J. Watt and said, I know a guy. So pretty good. Pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) So he might move up a couple spots in my rankings based on his pun game. Yes. That's always um, always sound reasoning there. <laughs> yeah. So how about Tarek um, Skubal? He's at uh, SP fifty eight and ADP. What do you think about him? Yeah, I have him. At, I, I bumped him. He's a little higher for me. I have him at fifty five. But another guy who I might move up a little bit as I'm, you know, kind of again, like you said, kind of still in the lab working on these and shuffling guys around. He had some massive strikeout ratios in the minors. So I'm guessing you probably like him. You like strikeouts <laughs> and. Uh, so far, uh, you know, his K per nine in the big leagues has been around 10, and uh, he doesn't get a lot of ground balls. The home runs are a problem, so like a big problem. Um, but he's he's just 25. He's got the stuff, like he's got the strikeout potential to, to break out if he can, you know, get the home runs under control. I think after, like I said, where is he? He's SP58, so yeah, like this far down, if you're getting him around here, I don't see a whole lot of risk in taking a shot on a guy like him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm not actually that high on him. Actually, uh, I'm just uh, just a little bit concerned, like you said, about that home run rate. Um, it sort of reminds me of a, another Tiger pitcher uh, from years past, Matthew Boyd, mm-hmm. uh, where you love the strikeouts, but uh, it just always seems to get hit hard. Uh, yeah. And so I guess that's kind of the big question with Scooble, but you know, he's only 25. So I don't have him buried in my rankings or anything. I've, I just have more in that SP 60 range. I think, um, you know, that the fact that the home run, I mean, over two home runs per nine is an exceptionally high rate. And it was like that in 2020 also. So that's, that's a little concerning, I think. Um, but, uh, you know, and he's also like, been uh just almost all of those home runs were uh from right-handed hitters uh in fact 34 of the 35 home runs that he (laughs) gave up last season were right-handed hitters uh well so that's a little bit of an issue i mean he's a lefty who might uh have some some weakness in his approach against right-handers and uh, obviously the majority of 
major league hitters are right-handed. So uh, that's just a little scary also in terms of that home run rate. Yeah. Well, we're all the way down here. We're almost to SP60, and we finally got to an Oriole. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> we did it. John so, Means business. What yes, do you think? <laughs> John Means business. I kind of yeah. like John Means. Uh, you know, he's not a huge strikeout guy either, but... Um, you know, it has been a long while since the Orioles produced a reliable fantasy starter, but I think Means fits the bill. Um, second time in three seasons, he outperformed his peripherals by posting a mid-3Z ERA and a useful whip. Like I said, not a big strikeout guy, but... Um, and, you know, there's some signs for regression, like the high strand rate he had last year, the low BABIP. Uh, but he's got pinpoint control, which goes a long way, and now with the new field dimensions in Camden. I think that I could know. really help him a lot. Uh, so I think that, I think that, you know, the lack of walks and then, you know, keeping the ball in the yard, it's going to be really hard to hit it out to left field this season in Baltimore. I think those things will keep him on the mixed league radar this year. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't really have him like too, uh, too high or anything. I'm, I'm kind of a realist when it comes to my Orioles and, uh, you know, I watched a lot of games last year, and he was on fire. I actually had him in a, in a league. I probably drafted him like in the last round or something. I'm like, I'll just take the Orioles' best pitcher. Why not? And uh, he was hot. Um, his first couple months, he was really solid. And if you look at his splits, like first half, 2.28 ERA. Second half, 4.88. Uh, like his average against first half, 182. Second half, 260. So his splits were rough. I don't know what happened. Uh, it kind of worries me about the sticky stuff. I think his name was mentioned a little bit as well in that. Like mm. when you when you look at last year and guys who pitched really well into May and then fell off, he he definitely fell off a little bit. So that worries me a little bit with John Means. Yeah, but I mean he's uh you know he's a fly ball pitcher, and <laughs> I mean that park is just going to be so so pitcher friendly. I feel like this season. You know, it's a combination. I, basically, I've almost never even considered Orioles pitchers just because they have such a bad track record. Uh, the AL East is just brutal. But I think a couple things. One, like the the universal DH. So, like, now I'm giving a fresh look at American League pitchers this season. And then just the new dimensions of that park. Like, it just suddenly makes a pitcher like that. I mean, like, if he just doesn't – like, he's not going to walk, guys gives up a lot of fly balls those should turn into outs most of the time so mm. i think he can go a long way just with with that skill set like in that park uh it's gonna be interesting to see yeah well next on the list sp60 is jose urquidy for the astros and i wanted to point something out here because as i was going through the rankings and, and making some some notes writing up some some guys i noticed that luis garcia for the astros was not on our list and I thought, well, that's strange. We didn't talk about him before. And I like Luis Garcia way more than Jose Urquidy. Am I missing something? Like, hmm. Luis Garcia doesn't have an injury. And I started looking into it, and I'm like, there's another Luis Garcia. Maybe there's some sort of, like, glitch. You know, like, I think there's a Luis Garcia for the Nats or something. <laughs> yeah. And maybe, and maybe something is just getting messed up, you know, looking at Fantasy Pros ADP. So, um, anyway, maybe I'll put in a little help help support ticket well, there. No, he's on there. I just looked. But his is ADP is... The, his AD, he's the 137th pitcher in okay, ADP so that's right just, now. That can't be right, right? I mean, you know. It's shocking. No I, I'm shocked. I don't I don't know what to say. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going on there. It, it, and it also looks like, based on that... Yeah, I'm looking at it, too. And it looks like only Yahoo and... 
NFBC have him ranked, so he's not coming in from ESPN, CBS. There's something wonky going over there. So anyway, just wanted to mention here too, I have Luis Garcia actually up at like my SP48. Um, so I don't know why he was showing up like way way down on Fantasy Pros, but yeah, I, like I, ha- I have him at forty six, so I'm with you. Okay, yeah. So yeah, I was just, maybe I'll just talk about him a little bit first, and then we can talk about Urquidy in the same breath. But mm-hmm. uh, Luis Garcia had a solid solid year uh, with the Astros, and he he only had one career big league start in twenty twenty. So then he then he went through twenty eight games last year. So he took a big jump, which we don't really see. We often see guys kind of eased in, but he got thrown right into the fire. And uh, he finished with a sub 3.5 ERA, 1.18 whip. K per nine was solid, but, you know, just under 10. Uh, we've seen him post way higher K per nine rates in the minors. So, like, that swing and miss stuff is there, and he's just 25. I, I think he's, like, kind of a breakout candidate based on what we've seen in the minor leagues. And he doesn't have a ton of starts in the majors. Had a decent year last year. I could, I could see Luis Garcia taking the next step. Totally agree. Uh, you know, the only issue is the walks with him. So, if, yeah. you know. Uh, even but even if he continues with the the walk rate he has now, I mean we saw what he did last year it was awfully good. So I think he's got a pretty high floor and and some upside if he can get better control. But I have Urquidy down at like sixty three. So another you know young arm for the Astros. I mean he was he was solid. He had twenty starts last year. Again, it was his kind of first full ish uh, season as a starter. He threw one hundred and seven innings. So, I don't know, it'll be interesting to see if he stays under, like, that 150 threshold, if they're, like, managing him, or if they he's kind of like that fifth starter and they work some other people in. Um, but I think Luis Garcia has is more, to me, I think he's more solidified in that rotation, kind of like Valdez. And I think mm-hmm. Urquidy could, could be that guy who gets swapped out a little bit, misses a start. So I have him down a little further. Yeah, well, he also has a really long injury history, too. So I yeah. don't think he's really capable of being a workhorse anyway. Right. Uh, I. Yeah, he's he's got that kind of profile that I fade. Like lack of strikeouts and durability issues combined is just not a good combo for me. Yep. Uh, so that gets us through sixty. Yeah, and I think we probably want to talk about. You know, I've got a lot of lot more guys I want to talk about because there's so many starting pitchers. But yep. Why don't we just yeah do some quicker hits and jump through some of our sure. favorites? Sure. Uh, I mean, just looking at the ADPs, I mean, I, there's still some really good options in the, in the 60s here. I mean, I think yeah. Anthony Disclafani was really good last season, uh, you know, so and it's just pitching in San Francisco is is just a really good thing for your career. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think his numbers should regress a little bit, but I think he's definitely at least a, ba- a back end fantasy starter. Yeah, and I have him about eight spots higher than this ADP at SP sixty one. I've got him up at SP fifty three, so yeah. I've got him a little bit higher here too. And then what about Patrick Sandoval? What do you think about him? Do you have I've got fun? him a couple. Yeah, I've got him a couple spots higher. I've heard a lot of people kind of talking him up. Um, you know, he finally got his ERA under four, and his WHIP was around one point two. Um, I, I don't. I don't really know. I haven't like watched a ton of Patrick. Sand- like some of these West Coast guys, like I probably just haven't seen a ton. Um, his Caper nine's been under ten in the majors, so. Like nearly all of his time was as a starter. Like he's, an, I guess he's another like converted reliever guy. But you know, he he looked pretty good last year. I, I don't know. Some people are picking him to break out, but yeah. I haven't. I don't. Know, I haven't really dug into him too much. Well, here's the here's the argument for the breakout. I think it's so his K per nine was only nine point seven two, which is still pretty good. But yeah, uh, his swinging strike rate was actually fifteen point two percent, which is. Mm. 
uh, was the 10th highest among starters who threw at least 80 innings last year. So I think there's this belief that maybe that K per nine can jump up even higher based on how many whiffs he's able to generate. Right. Uh, and he also is really hard to square the ball up against. Like he was third among starters in lowest average exit velocity, according to StatCast. So hmm. that's a really nice combo. A lot of swing and misses, a lot of weak contact. Uh, yeah. th- that's kind of the profile you look for for a breakout. Um, the the issue, of course, is the walks. I mean, 3.72 walks per nine. That's a very high rate. So yeah, uh, it's going to be hard for him to post a great whip if he's walking that many batters. Uh, but I, I definitely see the breakout potential. I have him up at SP 42. So okay. uh, so I, I, I certainly am on board with that. Uh, Tanner Houck, too. I mean, talk about my Red Sox. Mm-hmm. You know, I he was awfully impressive uh, last year and actually, you know, through his career so far in Boston. He's got a 352 area, 108 whip and 11.3 K per nine through his first 86 innings in the major leagues, including 16 starts, a few relief appearances as well. Um, you know, he's another guy where the walks can be an issue at times. Mm-hmm. And certainly the pitching environment is unforgiving, but I think he's got a lot of intriguing upside. Yeah, and with Eduardo Rodriguez going to the Tigers, I mean, he seems to me more solidified in that rotation. Like, he feels like he could be that third or fourth guy for sure. I don't see him as being like that fifth starter now. Right. You know, yeah, he seems, I mean, I don't know if the Red Sox, are, like, they're, they're going to have to give him 25 or 30 starts this year, I feel like. I don't yeah, know, it's I don't just really a question know. of whether he can handle it, I guess, but uh, yeah. they certainly have a need. Yep. Yeah, I have him like around 64, but I think the case can be made. You, you had him much higher, did you say? Uh, yeah, I have him at uh, 51. Okay. Um, Aaron Savale, SP50, uh, sorry, SP64. Joe Ryan, SP65. Uh, like either of those guys? I like Joe Ryan. Yeah, I do. Um, I have him pretty high up, actually. I've got him up at 49. Okay. Uh, he's consistently missed bats and avoided walks during his minor league career, which is exactly what I'm looking for. Um and that continued during his 26-inning big league debut last season. You know, he's fairly fortunate in terms of his BABIP allowed, but he was equally unfortunate with his strand rate being so low. So I feel like that kind of evens out. Um, you know, so for me, if there's a ward, it's that he's been prone to the home run ball. Um, but I think that the lack of base runners that he allows, um, based on the the lack of walks, I think will help mitigate the damage from the home runs. So... Uh, yeah, I think he's kind of an intriguing candidate uh, who's like flying pretty far under the radar. Yeah, well, there's not a whole lot of track record there in the majors. It's kind of like that, like we talked about Shane Baz or something. Like you're looking at minor league numbers and there's you're projecting, but yeah, I mean he 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 has like that late round value. As far as Savale, I was going to kind of bring him up along with some of the other Cleveland guys because Tristan McKenzie, uh, Cal Quant- Cal Quantrill. Mm-hmm. They're all kind of going in the same range. Yeah. And I'm curious how you might rank them. I have McKenzie, Savale, Quantrill. Yeah. Not, McKenzie's like, not the all back-to-back, but... McKenzie's the only one I really have any even mild interest in in a yeah. uh, standard 12-team league. I just don't see the upside with the other two enough to really be that interested. Uh, McKenzie has like, in, always intrigued me with his ability. I mean, he can look amazing sometimes, but uh, he's also doesn't appear to be a finished product quite yet. A uh, right. lot, lot of walks uh, yep. last season. Um, so, yeah, I'm intrigued by him, but I, I don't think I'll probably be drafting him uh, 
you know, it's more like he's like to me, he's like a watch list guy. You know, let's like let's see if he gets off to a nice start and then I'll I'll rush to pick him up. Yeah, I think, you know, just between the three, I thought it was interesting that Savale was higher in ADP because I also would have McKenzie first. Just like, yeah, he does have that. probably, you know. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, it's, it was interesting. Like his walk rate was terrible, but it didn't like completely destroy his whip. Um, and like we like if you look at his minor league numbers, his ERA was pretty low. I think just McKenzie has a little more upside. And I think last year it kind of seemed like some load management more so than injury. So I don't know. Like it, it kind of seemed like they were putting him on the IL here and there at the end of the season to manage some innings. So I don't know. I think it'll be really be interesting to see like how the Guardians do. They've got some good young arms there. But we're talking about guys kind of down in the SP60 yeah, to 70 not, range. Yeah, I'm not really feeling it. <laughs> I, I think he's due for a, a fair amount of regression this season, honestly, Savali. Yeah. Well, I was talking about McKenzie. I think I think, I think if you have – I mean, and we talked about Bieber, obviously, in the, the previous one. Like, he can be a stud, ace, obviously. I just think I just think the Guardians, you know, if they had – and I know you said you liked Re, uh, Framel Reyes and stuff. Yeah. Not to get too off topic. But I think they could, like, kind of surprise – in that in that division a little bit. If they had spent more than nine hundred thousand dollars this offseason, <laughs> I would agree with you. Yeah, they'll be like the they'll be like the real life major league movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so why don't we just like run through these and just mention guys who we're yeah. excited to talk about at this point? I, sure. I mean, I always will give a token mention to Alex Wood. He's just like part of my <laughs> forever fan. Cl- like I'll always be a member of the Alex Wood fan club. Uh, yeah. F- for years, I felt like he was underrated. Um, just kind of flying under the radar back with the Dodgers. And now he's with the Giants, which is like an even better place to be. Um, you know, it, it's he got back on track last year. I mean, he had a couple down years and then uh, with with a lot of injuries in there and then got back on track. But overall, big picture, 350 career ERA. He's just tended to be a good pitcher when healthy, just always dealing with injuries, of course. But um, the, his strikeout rates kind of come up along with the rest of MLB. And, you know, he's managed to continue to keep the walk rate low. So I just think he's a good pitcher. He's And and his it tends to translate pretty well to fantasy. It's just you have to know that durability is not his biggest strength. Yep. I've got him. He's So he's SP66 ADP. I've got him up at 61. I, I And, we, you know, he's been good in San Francisco. It was interesting seeing, like, looking back at him bouncing around. And I was like, wait, he went somewhere. He went to Cincinnati and then back to L.A.? Like, yeah. I, don't rem- I don't remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, um, uh, I'd say like another guy just to kind of mention to be interesting to see like how he fits in. Like Tony Gonsolin felt mm-hmm. a bit, you know. I, I'm trying to see where he was. I had him. I had a hard time ranking him. I would like him if I knew, like if 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 we know Bauer's out for a while, uh, the old Bauer outage. If Gonsolin yeah. is in there and he's getting some starts, I would like him because I think he could with 20 starts get you plenty of like. People were really excited about him last year, and I think that's a guy who's sort of like a maybe a post type sleeper type, even if he yep. can get the starts. I agree. As long and if he doesn't walk five point five batters per nine again this year, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. I mean, that's like the one of the places I love to go for value is like the Dodgers, like back end of their rotation because yeah. they always are cycling in these guys that can have like a huge amount of fantasy value you just don't know if they're going to be in the rotation or not but yeah if he is i would definitely want him on my roster um kyle hendricks is a guy we should talk about because he should. was like <laughs> you know he was just this guy that always like outperformed his peripherals year after year after year and then that just like ended with a huge thud last season um 
you know, he's always been a liability in terms of strikeouts. So like you really need those like pristine ratios mm-hmm. uh, just for him to be like a third or fourth fantasy starter. Um, but, I, you know, I think I, I know it's like not sexy to say it, but I think he could bounce back. Like uh, there's no reason he can't, you know, like I know. He, he's got such a, a long career of success. Like if you're willing to just kind of give him a pass on last season, like he could easily be a huge value. Yeah, I, I I feel the same way about Hendricks and like why not why can't he be, why can't he bounce back? He, you know he's coming off the worst season in his career, but certainly a bounce back candidate, but not a bounce back candidate that like anyone's super excited about. But right. still, this late, I mean, just make sure you're constructing your roster in a way that like if you've already reached for some guys who maybe are starting the year not you know not ready for opening day, or maybe you take like a, a rookie or a guy like I just mentioned Gonsolin who might not be in the rotation or something. You know, Kyle Hendricks is a great guy to get late in drafts who you can plug right in. Yeah, or if you're like streaming pitchers and he has like mm-hmm. some good starts early in the season, just give him a shot. If he yep. does well, give him another shot. If he keeps doing well, just hold on to him, you know? Yeah. What do you think about so, Steven Strasburg? I got to ask you about that one too. And he also belongs in the uh, in the injured pitcher tier, although I think he's like currently pretty injured, isn't he? Uh, gosh, I, I don't know what the latest is on Strasburg. And, you know, he's one of those guys who, you know, five years ago was a total ace. But I, I don't know that I'll have to find and see what the – it says due to neck injury, may not yeah. make a season, season debut until sometime in yeah, May. Yeah, thoracic outlet surgery. So, yeah, uh, he's still like, so, recovering from that. Yeah, so I'll, I'll probably have him buried a little bit. I just, I just don't want to take guys who – might miss a month because they're still dealing with an injury from whether it's a month ago or six months ago. I mean, yeah. I don't mind him as a late pick if you have like IL spots and you just want to yeah. like grab him and stash him, you know? Uh, Cause if he debuts in like late May or something like that, maybe you get a sudden jolt. I mean, I like the thing I like about a guy like Strasburg is like, there's not really any performance questions with him. It's like purely health, you know? Yeah. If, if he's, pitching you're going to want to use him and if he's not then you know you're not using him but it's very clear cut that's a good point about il stashing too because i actually do that when i'm drafting and when i'm doing like a an online draft using yahoo or something i'll when we start getting toward the end of the draft i'll often queue up those guys because you can draft a guy or two on the il who you know starting off and then immediately put them on and pick guys up now unless you have some sort of like transact you know maybe you can only do like so many transactions or something like that if you're if you're in a league like that then know that but i like doing that strasburg's a great candidate for that so i didn't really consider that till now but yeah i kind of like that he'd be a good like kind of last couple round picks and someone people are gonna be like oh man i was gonna do that yeah exactly <laughs> so, yeah 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 uh anyone else you would like to uh discuss i mean I'm looking at the list. We're down here now because Kyle Hendricks was SP70, according to Fantasy Pros ADP. Strasburg was 71. There's still a lot of guys I like. I mean, I could talk about Steven Matz now with, you know, the Cardinals. I kind of like him. Um, I'm just looking at I've – heard, I've heard people kind of talk up Aaron Ashby a little bit in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nestor Cortez for the Yankees looked really good at times uh, last year. He's down here at SP87. So, I don't know. There's there's lots of good names down here. Um, I have one guy that I have in my top 50 starting pitchers who, who we haven't talked about yet. All right. Who you got? He, he's right at SP50, to be fair. But Carlos Carrasco. 
Oh yeah, I I will never quit Carlos Carrasco. He's just <laughs> he's he's been such an underrated pitcher for so long. Uh, also, seems like a really good dude for what it's worth. But um, you know, last year he took longer than expected to rehab from his torn hamstring injury, uh, and then when he did return, he just wasn't any good. But uh, you know, he's also coming back now from offseason surgery to remove bone fragments from his elbow. So. There's there's injury concerns here, but um, he's shown that he's capable of being a top twenty fantasy starter when he's healthy. So mm-hmm. he's another guy that like I I would gladly stash. And it's like if he's not healthy to start the season, stash him on the IL. But uh, I just I like the upside with him. Yeah, I'm looking at what roster resource has for the Mets rotation: Degrom, Scherzer, Bassett, Carrasco, and then Tyler McGill. And yeah, Carrasco if he's healthy, or even if he's not, like you said, if he's an IL stash. That's not that's not a bad idea. Yep. I don't, I don't have. I mean, like I said, we could talk about SP <laughs> for a while, and so I don't have anybody like that that I've ranked like like in my top fifty. Yeah. That I'm I, just clamoring. Eric for. Lauer is another guy I'm kind of intrigued by. I have him at fifty nine. Okay. Um, you know, he had a couple middling seasons with the Padres, but then he took big strides forward with Milwaukee last season. Three nineteen ERA, one fourteen WHIP, and one hundred eighteen two thirds innings. And it all really started with uh, a big improvement in his velocity. So that's like having a tangible reason for it gives me more belief that he can like continue it, you know? So yeah, um, obviously pitching in Miller Park is not as favorable as he had back in San Diego, but um, I'm, I'm sort of intrigued by him. And then this is another guy that is always, I've always been a fan of and will always be a fan of University of Michigan grad, also <laughs> from Massachusetts like me, Rich Hill. <laughs> he's 42 years old now, but he's just been one of the most underrated fantasy options in leagues with IL spots and with deep waiver wires because when he pitches, he's so good. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, he's never thrown 200 innings. He's never come close to it even since like 2007, but he's consistently excellent on a per start basis. And, uh, you know, he wasn't quite as good last year, but 386 ERA, 121 whip, 8.5 K per nine. If that's like a down year, that's not too bad, you know? Um, yeah. So, no, the wheels could come off at any time at 42 years old, but, <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, he's a guy that I would gladly just kind of, if I see he's got a start coming up, I would gladly put him in my lineup. Yeah. Yeah. Rich Hill. Yeah. And I got one more for you, a young guy. Okay. I, I went 42 year old, so now I'll go with a young guy. Uh, <laughs> I believe it's is it Oscar Enoa? I believe. Oh yeah, for the Braves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm intrigued by him. You know, he's he's young. He's only 23, but he's actually been in organized baseball for a very long time. He his first minor league career, uh, minor league season was in 2015 when he was 17 years old. So it took him a long time to get to the majors. It took him a long time to get a chance to be a starter in the majors. Uh, but he finally got that last year, and it went pretty well. 405 ERA, 111 WHIP, 9.89 K per nine. Uh, you know, the reason I think it took him so long was just because he struggled so much with his control for a long time. Uh, but then last year, his walk per nine was just 2.47, which isn't amazing, but it was much, much better than he had had in his typical minor league season. Uh, like I said, he's still only 23. He's pitching in a great organization for success. The Braves just know how to develop pitchers they have since the late 80s. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I think he has a lot of upside if he can get that walk rate under, con- keep that walk rate under control. 
well, speaking of keeping walk rate under control, another young guy who maybe has been forgotten by some folks. I, I will mention one more, and it's Mackenzie Gore. So he's 23. He was the number three overall pick in the 2017 draft. And I was as I was scanning through news and notes, you know, I saw that he fired. Uh, he struck out five over three scoreless innings against the Angels in the Cactus League. And then I was just thinking, you know, I was like, that's a name I haven't really thought about in a while. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I don't know if he fits into the rotation or if he, you know, comes up in May or something. But that's a name to kind of put on your watch list, I think. Because if he comes up this year, maybe if Mike Clevenger, you know, we've talked about him. If he doesn't come back like we think we will, he will or something. Um, yeah, Mackenzie Gore could be a guy who comes up and gets his debut this year. So maybe someone to add to the watch list. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then one, this will be my last one, Bailey Ober with the Twins. Uh, you know, he completely dominated minor league hitters in 2019. And then, you know, the, there were no minor leagues in 2020. But uh, he really held his own in his big league debut last year, 92 and a third innings, 419 ERA, 120 whip, 9.36 K per nine. Uh, he was, you know, that ERA got pushed up by almost two home runs per nine innings, which is a lot, but... Uh, the fact that he, he he didn't walk many batters at all helped limit the damage somewhat. And, you know, I don't know exactly how much upside he possesses, but I think he's a pretty intriguing option just given his track record of success uh, in the minors and then last season with the Twins. So uh, he's he's a guy I would look at, at at the end of drafts. Okay. Yeah, man, as we've talked about some, some Twins pitchers, I'm starting to think, like, their rotation isn't terrible. Do they still have Dylan Bundy? Or did they get Dylan Bundy? Is he their ace? Oh God! Well, that you just said they're not terrible. So well, we 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 talked about a bunch of guys, but we didn't mention him. And then well, I'm like, uh, I don't know. He's definitely not. He's definitely not their ace. Uh, we really shouldn't fantasy, call Dylan Bundy. But we he really is on the, he is on the twins. Yeah, uh, Sonny Gray and Bailey Ober, Joe Ryan. I would take yeah. all of them over Dylan Bundy. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Target Field's a, a good place to pitch too. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there, there could be some nice uh, value in that Twins rotation. Yep. Anyway, I think we've uh, I think we've covered starting pitcher pretty thoroughly. What do you think? Feels like we've <laughs> talked about a hundred pitchers between the two podcasts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So go back and listen to part one if you didn't catch that and hear about uh, the top thirty guys that we talked about on that show by ADP. Uh, and please do check out all those other podcasts we've done on the position previews. We've now covered the entire. Uh, offensive uh every position there as well as starting pitcher we'll wrap up with relief pitchers next week and then post our rankings up on rosrankings.com and we will get ready for the start of the major league baseball season it's right around the corner uh you can follow me on twitter at andrew underscore seifter and you can follow me on twitter at barton wheeler we appreciate everyone listening if you like the show please follow subscribe rate review We are out of here. We gone. You've been listening to the Rest of Season Rankings Podcast. Go to www.rosrankings.com for more.